0: This is Focal Point for Wednesday, the 3rd of February 2010, Google versus Beijing.
1: Welcome to Focal
0: Point, the podcast that shows you how to tap into the power of the internet in your business and your life. Now it's over to your hosts, Chris Padney and Gihan Pereira, for this
1: week's edition. Gihan, how are you doing? I'm happy, Chris. How are you? I'm very well, thank you.
0: I've had a few days off. I've just been down to Busselton for a little bit of a break. Didn't get as much done as I planned to do, but I did visit a couple of nice wineries and had a bit of relaxation as well.
1: Is that the reason? Is the wineries the reason you didn't get much work done or was uh, internet access whilst you're on the road uh, a little troublesome?
0: Now, internet access is pretty good. I did try running a webinar from there, and the visuals took a little bit of time. So I guess the audio was fine, but because video over the internet is a little bit slower, that took a bit of time, whereas I ran a couple of conference calls quite quite okay with just audio.
1: Okay, good, good. It's good to know that uh, these things are becoming possible when uh, we're visiting beautiful spots like the southwest of Western Australia.
0: Yep, and we have done Focal Point podcasts when I've been down there as well, so we know that that's sort of recording works fine.
1: Yeah, it has. It has a couple of trouble spots every now and then, but um, generally uh, more than possible.
0: That's wonderful what you can do with post-production editing.
1: That's right. All right, well, today's podcast is titled Google versus Beijing, and I expect it's something that most of our listeners will be aware of because it's been in the mainstream media as well. And that is the the kerfuffle that has arisen since um, Google's announcement uh, back in the middle of January that it was reviewing how it was going to conduct business operations in China. So they put on their official blog a posting that was a kind of weird mishmash about uh, their stance on the Chinese government's censorship. And it seemed to be triggered by uh, Google's announcement that they detected back in December some hacking of... Of some of their properties or some of their their websites including Gmail as well as uh, targeting other businesses in the US and elsewhere so it was kind of a statement that said hackers tried to break into the accounts of Chinese dissidents and therefore we're going to stop censoring our search results even if that means pulling out of China altogether and by that they were referring to the google.cn website that Google operates for Chinese citizens within China so if you take that statement at face value it's a bit weird it doesn't make sense they're talking about we were hacked or we were hacked and it was chinese dissidents who were targeted therefore we're going to stop censoring google's .cn or we're going to reconsider how we do that and the two statements seem disconnected so it's a bit weird so what 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 did you uh, make of it gihan on on uh, on the face of it
0: yeah i, I agree with you chris i think there's a very weird press statement by google and we'll talk about what some of their motives might have been behind that, but I thought on the surface it seemed pretty weird. Um, It was interesting to see that lots of people immediately took up the Google is good, China is bad, and they kind of ignored the fact that it was a completely illogical statement.
1: Yeah, yeah, and I think what people did as a consequence was they they drew uh, they inferred from what Google was saying um, was that it was the Chinese government or its proxies who were responsible for hacking into the accounts of these Chinese dissidents um, and it And that's the reason why Google was going to reconsider how it did business in China, because the Google, the 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 Chinese government was implicated, and therefore Google wasn't going to cooperate with the Chinese government's wishes when it comes to censorship of Google.cn. So. That makes a bit, a bit more sense, and that's what most people in the media inferred, even though Google has been too diplomatic to actually point the finger directly at Beijing. Uh, the most that I've come across in uh, Google's statements is that they've said, well, it was probably the Chinese government, but I've not heard them officially say that it was the Chinese government that, that, that uh, was responsible for the attacks. Have you Have you heard them say anything else, Kihan?
0: No, that's as far as I've heard as well, Chris, and um, yeah, and I think that they are too diplomatic to say that up front, but it's interesting, we're talking about diplomacy here with a large corporation – but acting as if they were a country in their own right.
1: That's right. Uh, they, uh, they're a very powerful and large organisation, as you say. Um, and, but they do need to be diplomatic because uh, they're doing business in China uh, and they're subject to Chinese government's laws. So uh, when it comes to accusing that government of... Uh, of of espionage and that sort of thing, then uh, they need to be careful and they need to have some strong evidence before they um, make that kind of accusation. And that's where some problems start to arise because there's been very little concrete evidence that I've seen presented that suggests that the government, the Chinese government, was behind this. And that might well be simply because the hackers have covered their tracks very well. The two bits of evidence that I've seen cited are firstly that uh, the hack was done using a flaw in Internet Explorer and the code for that hack was circulating on Chinese-speaking hacking websites. And the other piece of evidence was that the um, IP addresses from which the attacks emanated were in Taiwan and often hackers from in China use proxies within Taiwan to uh, launch these kinds of attacks. They're the only two pieces of evidence that I've seen cited to implicate the Chinese government, Um, and that doesn't mean the Chinese government weren't responsible for it, or or at least proxies of the government, but that's not a smoking gun uh, as far as um, making direct accusations at uh, Beijing is concerned. So what evidence have you you heard cited, Giha?
0: Yeah, I agree with you, Chris. I think that's very slim evidence, and that's that's more than I've actually seen because I didn't look into that, the technical side of it, as much as you did. But it's very slim evidence. It's even if it is coming out of China, it doesn't necessarily mean it's a government. And also, for ages now, we've had the problem of spam uh, purportedly coming out of China. That the the massive spam is coming out of China, but it's actually U.S. spammers who make use of uh, Chinese proxies or they, they route their mail through through China so it looks like it's coming out of China. And that's been well known around, not around the public, but around the security experts and technical people. So if, if that's all that Google's basing their claim on, it's very, very flimsy evidence.
1: Yeah, that's right. And I think that must be pretty much the extent of it. I think the hackers have done a good job of concealing their tracks. Um, and so... The the best evidence that they have is those two bits of evidence, plus the fact that it was um, democracy, um, democracy dissidents, Chinese democracy dissidents, whose uh, whose Gmail accounts were targeted, is the other other bit that uh, sort of implies that perhaps it was the Chinese government that was involved. So that's as much as they've got to go on, and so Google have left it to. Others, to infer that uh, Beijing is behind these attacks. And then Google have gone off and spoken about reconsidering how they do business in China with regard to censoring Google.cn. Um, so that's uh, the Chinese government's response has been that they simply have vehemently denied any involvement. They've simply said, where's the evidence? we're not involved, it's against the law, uh, we, we have, we're not responsible. Um, uh, and that's also been mainly in response to criticism, particularly from the US government. So uh, Hillary Clinton got up and she uh, made a strong-sounding but uh, relatively clueless speech on the topic of censorship and that sort of thing, and uh, Obama followed suit. But uh, Beijing uh, finally reacted once, uh, once they got a bit too loud and strident. And said, you know, stick to the facts. Where's the evidence? Uh, we do. We obey our own laws, and go. And websites and companies who do business in China have to obey our laws as well. Uh,
0: and I think that that's uh, the same as any other country would respond, Chris. I'm sure the same would happen in Australia if something, if some international company came in and did something that we would consider against our laws, we would say to them, "Well, fix it, sort it out." And if their government complained, we'd say to at, at a government level, we'd say, look, sort, sort things out at your end. We've got laws. If you want to operate in our country, then you have to abide by those laws. And whether we agree with those laws or not, as as impartial Australians here, I think that China's response has been quite reasonable.
1: Yeah, yeah. So uh, w- w- when we look at Google Stats about um, whether they should be uh – censoring the internet in China and uh, responding to the the Beijing government's hacking uh, in this way, uh, the media have picked this up and um, have responded to it as well. So we've we've had Hillary and Obama sticking their oars in. We also had various pundits and commentators saying, well, this is Google living up to their do no evil mantra. So if you didn't know it already, Google have a, a particular mission statement which says that they will do no evil. I don't know what they've been doing up until now with regard to censorship in China, whether they consider that to be in keeping with this particular do-no-evil mantra. But at uh, at this point, people have started saying, well, you know, the censorship has got to the point where it's too much for Google to stand and they're going to reconsider their position. So that's uh, one thing that people have, have said. Others have said that uh, this is uh, a US company taking a stand uh, against uh, an evil Beijing regime. Um, so... You know, a good U.S. company versus evil Chinese company, and um, other people have pointed out again how Chinese, that China is attacking, Beijing is attacking anti-government dissidents. Although they haven't uh, pointed out that it's okay for, say, Western governments to spy on their own citizens. Uh, when it's to do with things like protecting us against terrorism.
0: I think, Chris, coming back to the Do No Evil mantra, Google's original reasoning was, yes, we'll go into China, we'll obey their laws about filtering and censorship, because we'd rather give the Chinese people some results rather than none at all. So that was their, their original stance. And really, the interesting thing is that looking at it logically and taking all the emotion out of it and the, the politics out of it, there's no reason why they that start should have changed. In fact it seems almost very belligerent of Google to say that they're discussing with the Chinese government, the basis on which they can be operating unfiltered. In other words, they can take off the Remove the censorship because I mean, what are they expecting? Are they expecting the Chinese government to go, Oh, we were wrong all the time. Google, you must be right. So we're going to stop censoring uh, Google search results. I mean, it just doesn't make sense for a government who has a, an ideological and political view that their citizens need to be protected from certain things. Now, whether we agree with it or not, it doesn't make sense for the government suddenly to turn around because of some international company coming in and, and saying, Well, we're going, to disc- we're going to have discussions with you about removing censorship. It's not about searching the internet. It's, a, it's, it's an ideology that runs through all of China at the moment. Yeah. So I'm sure that there's something more to it than what Google is saying on the face of it.
1: Yeah, Google have also claimed that the extent of that censorship has increased since they first made that compromise. The compromise being it's better to give Chinese citizens some search results than none at all, so we're going to set up a censored. Uh, search engine for them within China that uh, implements the censorship the government asks for. Uh, but now they reckon that it's, the whole espionage issue aside, they reckon it's got to the point where the censorship is too much for their do-no-evil mantra and they, they've gone to the Chinese government and they're going to see if they can operate uncensored. Uh, good luck and to them. But that, that was always going to be the case. There was always going to be the case that they were playing by the Chinese government's rules and there was always that potential for the government to say, well, now you're going to have to start censoring uh, more and more material.
0: Yes, Chris, and that argument is a reasonable argument, but it's completely separate from this incident that's arisen. reason. They're two completely separate issues, and the Google's trying to combine them. Maybe, Well, we'll talk about the reasons a little bit later, but I think to muddy the waters and to try to position themselves very strongly and maybe make make a business decision a little bit more palatable for them. But we'll get to that a little bit later. I also want to point out that you and I have both been very big Google fans and still are and have supported Google very strongly in past episodes of Focal Point, and I guess what we're saying is we don't necessarily believe that just because we've supported them in the past that we agree with everything that they're doing all the time, and that's part of the reason why we're having this podcast to shed a little bit of light on some of the background behind this this incident and perhaps some of the implications.
1: Yeah, yeah, and just (laughs) carrying on from the the logic of Google's position, supposing uh, against all odds the government said, oh yeah, you're right. Um, and did say, you know, we're not going to be naughty, we're not going to hack anymore, is Google going to say, oh, that's okay then, we'll go back to censoring uh, Google.cn the way we always have. So as you say, the two issues of the hacking and the espionage and the censorship issue are completely separate, and kind of horse trading one against the other doesn't make sense, particularly for a government, uh, particularly for an organisation whose mantra is, do no evil. Yes, but uh,
0: that said, uh, as an avid reader of Robert Ludlum novels, <laughs> I know that this is the sort of stuff that happens at political and government level all the time, that there is a sort of course training, there are these issues that are that are related but... At a political level, at a bureaucratic level, they're, they're dealt with separately, but everyone knows at the negotiating table that they are, there's give and take and they are related, but no one will come up front and say it, which is really curious because that happens at a nation, like nation with, nation to nation negotiation, but not necessarily with organization with a, with a country. Certainly not as openly as this. Organizations deal with governments all the time, particularly in areas like Asia, where governments have a lot of control over the way that the business operates. Um, but this is probably the biggest profile thing that we've seen for a long time.
1: Yeah, and uh, I'm not sure whether the Robert Ludlum novels include the, the, the plot device where the organisations uh, make a blog posting around the world that uh, sort of points the finger at a, a particular government. <laughs> so those are some of the official responses that, that we covered there. So we we're going to look at uh, look at it uh, in a bit more detail. Um, some of the implications that we see as a consequence of this this whole incident. Um, looking at the censorship issue, the cloud computing issue, and re-examining Google's motives with a, a more sceptical eye.
0: Yeah, and I think some of this is going to be a little bit, I guess, theoretical and academic, like looking at Google's motives, and it's a little bit of a discussion that is of, of interest, but not necessarily a practical value. But we also want to cover a couple of things which are practical and could affect ordinary Internet users.
1: Yeah. So the first of those is the whole censorship issue. And um, for for some of us, we might think, well, you know, it doesn't really matter to me directly because uh, we don't uh, have to suffer the kind of censorship that the Chinese uh, government is imposing on its citizens. But in fact, that's shortly going to change because the Rudd government uh, plans to impose mandatory internet censorship of entirely the same kind that the Chinese government imposes on its citizens. So whether that uh, succeeds in passing uh, into law in Australia, I don't know. And it's curious to, to note that Hillary Clinton didn't get up on her soapbox when Stephen Conroy announced these plans and berate the Australian government for closing off Australian citizens from the rest of the world and and stymieing innovation and uh, all the, all the benefits that open access to the internet provides, um, and people might think, well, you know, the Australian government they're not going to uh, censor the kinds of things that the, the the Beijing censors, because you know they're only interested in protecting us and, uh, from things like child pornography. But it's worth pointing out that. That's exactly what the Chinese government says. We're protecting our citizens. We're only doing it to protect them. We don't want them accessing things like pornography. It's for their own protection. Um, but, of course, it's more than pornography that is in, that is censored in China. It's things like uh, Tibetan independence and Falun Gong and um, things like the Tiananmen Square incident. And when we look at the censorship that we have in Australia at the moment, there is some uh, low-level censorship that goes on. When the blacklist for that, um, that censorship was leaked onto the internet last year, it was revealed that it was more than things like child pornography. It was things... Uh, there were websites that were related to uh, drug-taking and euthanasia and political. had political content. You can't believe the government when it says that it's just protecting you from things like pornography when you find out that the kinds of sites that are getting blacklisted go well beyond... Uh, the sorts of things that they've said they're protecting you from, and that list is kept secret from you anyway, so you can never know for sure. So to think that uh, the censorship that we're going to have imposed on us is uh, is a watered down or version of what the Chinese does is perhaps uh, is perhaps a bit uh, a bit naive.
0: Yep, and I agree with you, Chris, and this could be another focal point topic, and it will be again in the future. It has been in the past, and we'll keep you up to date on progress with the Rudd government's plans to censor the internet in Australia because it is important, and people see it as a little minor thing, as you say, but it is important.
1: Yeah, yeah. The other issue uh, that this incident uh, uh, raises is that with regard to cloud computing. So it was uh, gmail.com, which is Google's um, cloud computing email service that was hacked and really cloud computing is the wave of the future as far as I'm concerned we're going to find more and more services offered online in the cloud as it's referred to rather than having a bit of software installed on your PC or on your smartphone and using that all the services that you use will be uh, operating out of servers on the web and when you um, Think of an organization like Google being hacked, then it just goes to show that uh, you can't, you, you have to realize that when you're relying on services that are on the web, you're relying on a third party and you've outsourced things like responsibility for privacy and security. They're no longer within your control.
0: Yeah, look, and I think the big thing is Google was hacked. That's big news that's uh, that should be a ma- the major news story of the year that big companies like Google who must employ the smartest security experts in the world their service was hacked doesn't matter who hacked him and uh, who they were targeting but and how they did whether there was a flaw in internet Explorer or whatever it was still hacked. Until people were able to get into supposedly secure email accounts. And I think that's a big deal.
1: Yeah, good segue, Gihan.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> that leads into the next section that we're going to talk about in the podcast. And that is uh, why has Google handled this hacking incident the way it has? Why has it gone off on a tangent and talked about censorship and re examining the way it does business in China? When, as you point out, Gihan, the big story was. The main story should have been that Google was hacked, Gmail was hacked, the world's biggest internet company with uh, the world's biggest population of security experts was successfully hacked into. And uh, a great article that you uh, sent me and that I subsequently read, Addressed exactly that point. It was all about deflecting attention. This is the the particular um, author's thesis. Was that it was about deflecting attention away from the fact that Google's security was breached, and that cloud computing isn't a secure service, and using the internet and Google services aren't as secure as people might think, because Google was hacked by by whomever. The phrase that this particular author uses, negative comparison marketing. It's not a phrase I'd heard before, but it's a tactic that we've probably all come across many times before.
0: It's like I remember Paul Keating. Whenever he wanted to um, announce bad news, he'd start a discussion about whether we should change our flag.
1: <laughs> yes, yeah.
0: So that sort of thing happens, and uh, it's a it's a smart, it's a clever little political trick. Um, until you look behind the scenes and wonder whether it 's just the real reason that they 're doing it
1: and it's and it has been successful if, if this uh, guy's, if this thesis is correct it 's been really successful because all of the talk about this particular incident has been primarily about what China's been doing bad China poor google uh, then you know the they do no evil company and not as much attention has been focused on the fact that uh, that Gmail was hacked and that Google's servers are insecure.
0: Yeah, and that that positive press that Google has got as a result of it has been very much their benefit, that Google has had problems both locally and abroad, about the, the extent of the power that they have, the sort of things they're doing. Uh, it's had problems in the European Union. It's had run-ins with the French uh, for around various issues. And these sort of things paint Google in a positive light. So Google is seen as a company that's coming out against Internet censorship, against oppressive regimes, and all of that's really positive. And it may not sound... It it may not stack up from a technical viewpoint, but it still has market value and that matters to Google as much as anything else.
1: That's right. So as well as deflecting attention from uh, this terrible hacking incident, it's also earned them brownie points, as you say, both at home with uh, praise heaped on them by the likes of Hillary Clinton. And um, and elsewhere in in the West, so uh, as you say, they've got trouble with the French and the EU, um, but uh, they're looking pretty good at the moment as making a stand against the evil uh, regime in Beijing. And I wonder, Chris, whether they'
0: really the, the, the motive behind all of this, I mean obviously they did deliberately set out to get hacked, but it may have given them an opportunity to to start the process of pulling out of China. I mean, they've made some China's a big market for them. It is, but they're certainly second in that market. Uh, the biggest search engine in China is Baidu, and it's the biggest by a long way. So maybe Google want to get out anyway, and some of the things they're doing, including stopping the Chinese launch of the, their Android phones, uh, it again, it, it makes really good PR, but I wonder whether it's a good business decision anyway. And they were just going to do it, and now they've got a way of sugarcoating it and also portraying it in a very positive light.
1: Yeah, um, that, that, that I've, I've seen uh, that mentioned, and I, but I do wonder whether that's the case. We've pointed out that uh, China has the world's largest internet, uh, internet user population of some 300 million, and it also has huge room for growth. So even though they're running second to Baidu, I think it's like a 30% share for Google, 60% for Baidu, so they're a distant second at this stage. Nevertheless, there's room for growth, and they're a smart company. They they can still compete with Baidu and perhaps steal market share from them. Uh, so I'd be really surprised if they if they follow through on their threat to pull out of China in, entirely. I think that that's just too big. Uh, an opportunity for them to walk away from but they're playing a dangerous game of brinkmanship I mean they've made this threat and if China's if the Chinese government simply say well you know, suck it up this is we, we set the rules and you play by those rules then China have made this uh, sorry Google has made this particular threat they do they, they they they're gonna have to either follow through or lose face that's going to be interesting to see what ha- actually happens at the end of the day whether the Chinese government give them some room uh, and wind back some of the censorship, or whether they say no, you're not going. We're not going to budge an inch, and you're going to um, have to play by our rules. Will Google follow through and pull out of China?
0: Yeah, well, this is exactly what I what I'm thinking, Chris. Is I think it's uh, any character in a Robert Ludlum novel will say that you never make an ultimatum because then you do force the other side to make a decision, and Google. Uh, as much as its initial language was very fluffy and illogical, the, the ultimatum seems to be pretty clear, and I, I can't see them, as you say, backing out without losing face. So, yeah, I guess all I can say is watch this space.
1: Yeah, but uh, what, and what does Google have to offer China? I mean, what the, the only thing that I've heard anyone state that they offer the Chinese is legitimacy. So you've got this big... Uh, Do got a Western company doing business in China, Uh, and so it gives the Chinese government uh, the imprimatur of of legitimacy by having a Western company doing business there. That's all they've got to offer. Um, Is is that enough? Is that a big enough offering to the Chinese, uh, or the threat of pulling out China is that enough to make them back down on their internet censorship uh, policy? I really do wonder
0: yeah yeah you're right you're right it is worth thinking about it from that point of view. I guess Google is more than a search engine as well so it has other things that it offers Chinese citizens and maybe the things that Baidu doesn't offer but the sort of, the sort of things that we've talked about like Google docs and gmail um so Google search is well behind Baidu with a thirty to sixty percent market share but I'm sure some of the other google features are still used by chinese
1: citizens yeah and and that may well be valuable to the citizenry but are they it's not a a democracy in China, so does the government really care whether their citizens get that upset about not having things like Gmail, not having things like uh, Android phones? I'm not so sure that uh, they really give a damn. They're more interested in, in, in having power, and if that means imposing censorship on Google and others, then so be it.
0: Yeah, well, I'm just laughing because we are a democracy and I don't think our government cares either. (laughs) That's (laughs) a good
1: point. Yep. okay.
0: So I think you're you're exactly right. I think you're right about that. Um, And if Google put it of Australia, there'd be an uproar, because some of the government did, there'd be an uproar, but I don't think it would overthrow the government. So you're right, but that that alone isn't going to necessarily sway the government's decision.
1: Yeah. So the Chinese curse says, "Kihan, may live in interesting times, and this is one of those interesting times where Google have made an ultimatum. They're playing a game of brink- brinkmanship, and we will see in a few months' time whether it's the Google government, uh, the Beijing government that backs down or the Google government <laughs> who uh, who blink first and have to follow through on their threat to pull out.
0: Yeah, yep, yeah. and and we did draw a lot of research and background reading uh, for this podcast, and so we'll provide links to that in the in the blog post for the podcast.
1: Okay, so yep, keep an eye out for that, and we'll be back in a couple of weeks' time with another podcast. So stay tuned. Yep, great.
0: Thanks very much, Chris.
1: Speak to you then, Gihan. Bye for now.
0: You've been listening to the Focal Point podcast. You can find us on the web at www.gihanperera.com forward slash podcast. That's G-I-H-A-N-P-E-R-E-R-A dot com. Subscribe to the podcast, listen to all our past issues, or leave us your
1: comments and questions. We look forward to having you back next time.